I fell in love with your story about Hanan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> daughter. Yeah. Yes, we all have that one daughter. There, there's just something special about daddies and daughters, especially when one has the same attitude as yours. <laughs> same exact attitude. Like, yeah, you heard what I said, right? I, I love it. you know as soon as she said now i'm not afraid of her eh. yeah i'm not it's just the i don't want her to not be happy <laughs> the thing oh my goodness yeah my uh i have we have five kids and yeah. um and so everything was super easy we had two boys man life is great they're chill and then our daughter came in, Abigail, and everything changed. She was instantly the boss. Uh, we're, you know, it was so funny because my boys would take a pacifier. They would play in the playpen. They would, you know, sit in the swing. She said, none of that. Uh, you must hold me. You must hold me all the time. And I'll tell you when you can put me down. It was, and it, it hasn't changed since. She's gone off and gotten married, but still. <laughs> You named her Abigail. Abigail. There's no spoiled. There's no girl that's named Abigail that's not spoiled. It's, it's <laughs> like I've had, I haven't met one. <laughs> uh, Abigail? Oh, for sure she's spoiled. Uh, yes, for sir. sure. <laughs> yes, sir. And then, uh, and let me tell you, man, I, uh, oh, boy, as a, as a male, you, you know, we remember we remember what it is to be out there looking for girls. And so all of a sudden you became a, you become a, a father to a daughter and it's like, ah, oh, life changes yeah. dramatically. It's the, it's the thing that I, I call the instant vagina respect. Like it's like soon as like, like I, you know, you, we have a mother, you have nothing yes. to do with that vagina. You have yes. nothing to do with it. It has no, nothing to do with it. You have a sister. You have absolutely nothing to do with her vagina. <laughs> it has nothing to do with it. Then, <laughs> then you have a, a wife. Then, hey, this vagina is important. You know, I'm supposed to protect this one. <laughs> and then and then you have a daughter. I will kill, <laughs> maim, destroy behind this little girl. Yes, Absolutely. <laughs> With the whole thing, I gotta protect her heart. I gotta protect her mind. I gotta protect her vagina. Yeah. <laughs> and Anand, Anand said this yesterday. I heard her hollering, "You kick me in the vagina! You kick me in the vagina!" Like, like, okay. Um, when I talk, when I when I taught you these words, these were safety words. These are words that you use because in the court of law, if something ever happens, you have to be able to say the words. If then if they touch whatever. You, this is not you. And your sister shouldn't just be slinging this word around the house. Is your vagina clean? Like yo, um, hey, 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 me and your brother live here. We don't want to hit his vagina. <laughs> <laughs> we never say the word penis in his house. You have never heard penis in his house. But it is three girls. It's three. And it's three girls. Yeah. And they're and they're insane. Yeah, yeah, they run the house. <laughs> they're absolutely insane. <laughs> you know what it's like when you and your son are always doing this to each other. You know, it's the verbal language. <laughs> 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 
don't know what happened. I don't know what's going on. Like me and him never know. We never know. We just like I and I be whispering to him. Like I whisper to my son, like he is definitely an adult man. He's only 13. I'm like, and he's like, oh, what you was here? What you was here? Like, I wasn't really watching. I'm like, hey. No, you are the first line of a judge defense in this house. What's up, man? Yeah, so that's the that's the understanding of fathers and daughters. Yeah, yeah. It, and uh I, I it is an amazing thing. It's an amazing shift. Uh <laughs> And, and I'm so grateful because I've learned so much. I have three daughters, two boys, three daughters. I've learned so much from my daughters. And, and uh, it's, it's, uh, and you have to overhear them because if, you know, they don't tell you directly. You just have to, you're, you're overhearing and you're going, oh, well, I, I never knew that. Let me write that one down because uh, I, I might be able to use oh. that with my wife. <laughs> Abigail, that is definitely. <laughs> It is, you definitely, man, that's, you so right. You gotta, you gotta overhear everything. Yes. Well, I overheard them talking about it. <laughs> because that's how my son's part said, what happened? Well, I overheard, you overhear, we gonna spy. Like, but, that, but I always overhear everything. I, nothing, nothing ever comes to me direct. No. Nothing. No. It's, uh, I, in fact, I, I love overhearing because it's unfiltered. You, you, you really, if they, if they know that you're in the room, it just shuts down. And, yeah. Were you were you raised in the house of women? I was like, you know, sisters, cousins, uh, mother, yeah, probably uh, definitely your mom. But right. So so other than mom, uh, it was uh, my mom and, and three boys. And uh, oh, okay. So and and uh, so you definitely knew you definitely knew to it. So yeah, just to, just to give you a, a crash course in it, I was raised in the house with um, six women. Wow. Yeah, like aunt, my mom, my sister, aunts and cousins. Like it's like, ah, it's a girl everywhere you turn. I'm the yes. only boy. I'm the only boy. It was the exception of my stepdad. He's like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm just here for one vagina. <laughs> and that's it. So <laughs> I was raised in the house with women. So I've um which is a gift and a curse. It is that I've, I've always done really well with dating the right type of cleanliness woman. Now she may have a horrible attitude, but the cleanliness of what I want to have is going to be there. Because you know, I'm one of the guys that I didn't think women did number two ever. I never, I didn't think it existed. Like I, it's like they theirs come out a different type of way because I've never saw it, smelt it, heard it anything in the house with women in one bathroom still no no swirl marks in the toilet no not you it's like this is every time i come in here it's like potpourri it's like right. it's i've never walked in this bathroom and it wasn't is that, right. uh, is, that pine, is that pine is that pine cones like what is this is long before fabuloso and it's like i i don't i didn't know what happened maybe because they would burn they would boil potpourri and then I would see like a thing of it in the bathroom. Maybe that was the thing that they, that they kept, you know, like the bathroom was always straight, like yeah. always. Yeah, it's uh, 
it's very different. Uh, I, I, uh, you know that you know it's a special relationship when the woman you're with is willing to fart in front of you. That to me is true intimacy. It it is it, it, <laughs> definitely the 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 glass has been broken. Like is there's the whatever the ceiling is, we have reached it. Whatever I need to know about you, I'm there. And guess what? Ah, gas mask, put it on, <laughs> sir. If you don't want to. <laughs> yeah, I I ate two last night, sir. You ain't the only one. You're not the only one that ate. Is it? <laughs> so ah, this is when it's too far. When your when your lady just is, is cool with farting in the car, you like, hey, hey, shorty, you're not even home. This is not this. Oh, your lady is ladies with the fart in the car. Y'all have y'all. This is it. Yeah. This is it. You gonna die with this person? Y'all might well just be in the same box in the grave. Like, it's, it's a wrap. You know? But that's love, though. That's very, yeah. that's a lot of love. Absolutely. And and what's so funny, too, what's so funny is uh, uh, one of my other favorite comedians is uh, Sinbad. And oh. I, I, in fact, I caught Sinbad uh, at a live concert in Phoenix. And what I loved about uh, comedy in general, real comedy, your comedy does this, Sinbad's comedy does this, and, and it's different than just getting up there and telling a joke. But when you have a story that teaches and entertains and makes you laugh, that to me is comedy at the highest level because there's a lot of great comedians and they can get up there and tell a joke. But when you have a story, and one of my favorite Sinbad stories, he talks about he, him and his wife got divorced and they were divorced for several years. And then they realize that nobody else can handle them because, you know, as you get older, we get weirder. And so they ended up getting married again. And I thought that's that to me was special. That was a great life lesson. And it was funny. Yeah, it, it's the it, it's so funny that those things happen. My mom and my stepdad got separated. And so I'm I'm they've been separated by maybe six, seven years. Then I'm in Tampa. <clears throat> I realized that he lives in Tampa. I reach out and say, hey, man, come to the show. Well, we hung out, kicked it. You know this man I'm my whole life. You know what I'm Since I was 10, you know. So at the end of the weekend, he was like, hey, uh, how your mom doing? Oh, she doing good. You should call her. Okay. That's three months go by. Couple more months go by. I noticed that he has been in town a couple times. Then, maybe like a year, my mom calls me. She said, "Hey, um, what do you think about you know moving back down here and staying together?" I'm like, "Mama, I don't think about it. <laughs> I don't think about it." And I don't, I don't need to have a discussion with you about you and your little booty call, you know, hooking up and whatnot. If y'all get back together, just get back together and leave me out of it. Because right. I don't want to know about it. <laughs> so they, they get back together and he going to stay at the table to my, yeah, you the reason, you know, me and your mama. I'll say, hey, bro, <laughs> I don't need to know what you're doing to my mama. 
Let's take it back to when I was 10 and y'all never told me nothing. Let's take it back on back there, okay? You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't need, I don't, I don't drop by unannounced. My mama coming all to the door, holding a nightgown. I'm like, hey, what's going on? What is going on? I don't, I don't want to know. <laughs> Got the loop. I don't want to be in the loop. I don't want to be in your friend circle. You're knocking my mom off. I don't want to be in it. <laughs> Don't ask me for advice. Don't give me details. Just. Oh, your mama. I am 10 years old again. <laughs> I don't want to know what you're doing. <laughs> yes. Oh, my Bound God. Boundary, sir. Oh, okay. Yeah, how long we've been knowing each other? I know I'm 50 <laughs> with boundaries. I'm going to look at. Looking like a like a, a disheveled lady at the at the door holding her nightgown. I'm like, hey, what's going on? Damn, two thirty in the in the in the daytime. You are not sleep. I see the man car out here. I'm sick of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. All right. So let me ask you this because. Uh, there, there's a there's in one of your in one of your bits you're talking about here you are you're 16 you're working at k rogers aka kroger's um you you are uh if i remember correctly you had like 10 or 15 or something like that fifteen thousand dollars in a shoe box in a shoe box yep um and so you go from this kind of environment to Stand up comedy. How did how did you go from? I want in my neighborhood. You would be considered a regular kid, right? Single. You know, you're you're in this. Uh, you had a stepdad. Uh, it sounds like, but uh, you know, we had we had a single mom for the longest time, and so um, I, you know, when you're 16 and you're basically, you know, especially back then when nobody had a phone, you're just we're just wild out in the street. And so when did you start thinking about comedy as a, as a possible profession? So I take it back to when my father, when I moved in with my dad, I said I wanted to be a comic because I like stand up at that time. I listened to all the albums. He was going to take me to this open mic, which I knew for a fact that I couldn't get in. I'm what, 10? But then as I look at, back at it, I probably could have if he would just got me in. But I'm a 10-year-old kid, right? So that's the first time. Comedy became the thing as I was being considered the, the relief most of the time when I was incarcerated. It always made sense of whatever I was saying because I'm so sarcastically jovial. I'm like, and that's just been this, and it's not a it's not something I had to develop. This is what a neighborhood teaches you. Like I grew up being sarcastic, like, right. and I, <laughs> I just grew up with it. It's like, and I, and I always told stories. I've always said things or said something about somebody. So when I'm incarcerated, people would be doing things, and I'd be like, "Yo, I want to throw this out there. You do know that if y'all get in a fight, one of y'all got to be willing to lose twice." What? <laughs> um, because okay, y'all gonna fight, right? Y'all gonna fight one on one. Somebody's gonna lose that fight, right? 
and then the COs going to come in and they're going to whoop the shit out of both of y'all. So who is willing to lose twice? <laughs> both of y'all going to lose one at one day, but somebody going to get two ass whoops. So, so I'm just trying to figure out which one y'all. Y'all have y'all made a decision? Oh, oh, oh. Y'all didn't know that second ass whoop was coming. Oh, this was Oh, that's my bad, my bad. How long y'all been here? <laughs> I learned this. I learned this very early on. <laughs> my first fight. This is, this is my fourth year. I'm only giving you. I'm gonna give you a heads up. So, I was like that the whole time in prison. Oh, they serving beans again. Who knew? <laughs> now, now, now. Is this is this is Texas Penitentiary. Yes, sir. So not only are they serving beans, but some of you fine folks got to pick those beans. I oh, pick all of those us beans, got to pick, pick the beans. Pick oh, this the is, okra. This is self. All this is self-contained. It's yes. nothing, nothing is outsourced here. This is all we built the prison. Like, 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 like I don't know why we in the state. We built it. Like, man, when I tell people this, when I came, when I got incarcerated, Texas had maybe forty-three prisons. 43, which is still a lot. When I got out, they had 167 prisons and detention centers across Texas. Yeah. And you were in for how long? Six years. Wow. So in six years, they almost tripled. Tripled. No, they did triple. Like, it was incredible. Texas, this become okay. So this is, this is what people don't realize that this is like, the Texas is, is huge in the cattle industry. You know, New York dairy farms, which is cool, but Texas farms for beef in cattle, right? And cattle is 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 counted per head. You can't this is product. So prisoners became cattle. You know, and you you're moving them and you're shipping them. It's just like, it's literally the judicial slave trade in Texas. And they got you just going all around Texas and they accepting prisoners. Hey, yeah. Who? Minnesota, you ain't got no room? We got room. Like, so this was this industrial complex of building prisons went on even past when I got out. So this uh this is it's a different thing. That's why the count has always been so important in a Texas prison. And I know how other people do it in other prisons. I've I've you know went there, but our system here is designed never never to ever want to come back to the system. It's not designed for you to be, oh, I win it, I win it, I can I can do it. In a Texas prison, if you get six any sentence is a death sentence if you really want to look at it and in his in its totality if you get if you get a year death if you get 10 years death you get 15 death that's 15 years they have an opportunity to kill you while you inside right because this is the place that it happens this is not a. It's not a. It's not a. It's not a cakewalk. It's not even. It's not even designed 
for you to survive it. It's not designed for that. It's designed, it's designed for you never to want to ever come back to this place again. Right. So and, I, I don't go ahead. <laughs> I was gonna say, and 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 back to what you said earlier, it's there's two political systems because you have the CEOs who some of them should not be CEOs at, the, all. The, at all because they think that they are part of the punishment. They 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 love nothing more than to punish the inmates. Uh, and then you have the inmates themselves. So you have two systems that you have to navigate. Deal with. Navigate. Thank you. No, oh, you actually have three. Because you have a parole board. Oh, that's true. That's making decisions on you that you have that don't even that that's not in no contact with you. They just knowing what's good. They just looking at, oh, he had he had two write-ups. Okay, but they never told you that he got wrote up by the CEO on first shift, Mrs. Smith. And then he got wrote up on the second shift by Mr. Smith. And then he got wrote up on third shift by another Smith? Who, who is this? Who is this? So the 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 cap the sergeant of first shift, which is the mama Smith, then the lieutenant on the or the captain or another sergeant on the second shift, which is the father, and then you get wrote up by the damn son on third shift because he said you got into it his mom and his daddy, and you are and they built this prison in a small town. Everybody went to school with each other. Everybody knows Everybody. each other. Everybody works here. Everybody, this is this is the bread and butter of this town that they built some prison in a space called L.A. Texas or Abilene or McAllen or some small town where it's a death sentence because they could kill you and cover it up. This is the other system that you're navigating in your head. Yes. And I think that it's a it's an unknown thing to the to the to the most part. Like when now when I hear dudes telling me about jail stories, jail stories and prison stories are two different things. And I know that you don't understand the difference because you're talking to me about jail. It's two different aspects. Jail and prison don't have nothing to do with each other. It's just a train system. You got to go to jail to get to prison. I get it. But just because you jail, go to jail don't mean that you're going to prison. Right. No, jail is much safer, much cleaner. A Harris County jail is so psychotic that you think that you're in prison. Like, yo, man, what's going on? But did you, did, uh, 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 is, is anybody forgetting the hopes of getting out, of being innocent, getting bonded out? I thought you said you didn't do it. The way you act in here, it seems very aggressive, sir. It seems like you did it. I don't give a damn what you say. It seems like you killed that man because you trying to kill him over a soup. And this is the great thing. I don't even understand why you're still here because your bond is $10,000 on a murder case. You got a $10,000 bond on a murder case. It costs you $1,000 to get out. I'm here on a nonviolent offense, which is a drug charge, delivery of a controlled substance. My bond is 
$175,000? He just got a life sentence. Why is he in here? Like, why he doesn't go straight to prison? <laughs> like, right. Don't, like, don't, like, do you get life sentence? Go your, go your ass to prison. <laughs> like, go straight there. But jail is hope. Prison is survival. Yes. I, I, I think that, that this is the thing. This is, I'm in jail. I can get bonded out. My lawyer can win this case. All sorts of things can happen in, in, in jail. Prison, my case is already done. I, ain't no bonding out. It's, I'm here. I'm going to be here for the duration. And I'm by myself. And here we go. Hopefully, you survive. That's basically that's basically what they say. Hopefully, you survive. Yeah, yeah. And you have to you have to navigate that thing. It's a it's a delicate. This is how I can, that's the only way I can explain it to people. It is a delicate volcano. Yes. Uh, and, and I think that's a great adjective. <laughs> it's a great description because it's it's it is constantly you can feel it. It is it's on the surface. Anything, anything, and it'll totally erupt. Boom! A lava. It's a molten. Now it's a it's sliding. It's molten earth sliding down. Like <laughs> you like and what happened? And everybody be like back to mention. Oh, oh no! Oh no! <laughs> Man, I didn't see anything, didn't hear anything, don't know anybody. It's blood on your shirt. Oh, you need this for evidence? You need this for evidence? Because I don't know how that blood got on my shirt. But I will give it to you for evidence. <laughs> Not my blood. Oh, man. It's, it's, oh. The, it's, yeah, it's a thing. Yeah, yeah. It was mentally conditioning, a mental condition, basically, in there. And once you get out, you got, it takes you a while to try to get your get your bearings on what is actually civilized and what is not civilized. Right. You're talking about what is a civil act versus a non-civil act. And it takes a minute to navigate that. Especially when you especially when you're in there really developing and trying to develop, and then you got to go into these modes where you have to be savage and then you had to come out of that savagery you know um and get yourself back together so applause to you being out uh, well, you too. <laughs> 18 months just that's that's how, 18 months how long ago oh dude let's see i'm 62 61 i went in when i was 19 so oh, yeah. 40 so, years ago yeah. yeah i was 19 when i went in Four days that I turned nineteen, yeah, and but I didn't come on for six years. Yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's a difference. I'd have took the eighteen months, but I, if I would have did the eighteen months, I'd have been back selling drugs. Again. So sure. I, 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 I relish in the in the in the time that I, I I had to get myself together. Well, and and I think that for you and I, prison worked <laughs> the way it's supposed to. We the went way it's supposed to. Work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in, in the sense that we went in, never came back. And and as you've already pointed out, there, there's a lot of people who, to them, it's just the way of doing business. I, I met several people who they were on their way out, 
after serving 10, 15, 20 years and they had no remorse. They were like, you know, when you go, uh, when, when you're exiting the system uh, through Humble and you start meeting everybody that's getting released and stuff like that. And, and, and again, you're meeting people who have been in there, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years and they don't have any plans on changing. Ugh. They're like, you know, this is just the cost of doing business. And I, I was just amazed. I was just amazed that people think like that. Yeah, I I, I grew up around somebody who thought like that. <clears throat> My uncle Alfred was one of the people who just, just cost of doing business. My uncle Mac was more of a, damn it, they ain't caught me again. Shit. Because <laughs> like, uh, he, he would, you know, he wouldn't be gone long, yeah, six months, seven months. I go. I'm gone eight months. I'm gonna go do the. I'm gonna go do the fall. In prison. I never get fall. So you gonna go do the whole fall? I'll be home by the summer. In the end, but my uncle Matt. I mean, my uncle Alfred. I was doing business. Yeah. You know, back then, you know, people wasn't staying as long as they stay now. They, you know, there wasn't no habitual back then and all that nonsense. What is your thought on uh, on Biden and Congress finally starting to, to uh, release some of these uh, expunge, release uh, some of these marijuana convictions? Well, they can start with the marijuana, but it's all sorts of convictions they need to expunge. Like, man, it, it's if I think about it, if I think about it, the the I shouldn't still be around here with a record. I was a kid. And then when you, when you, why can't you get a, a, a felony conviction as sponge once you become a better person? Right. Why not? So you constantly want to, you constantly want to hold people back. This, I just want people to get the reality of this. I have a day in Houston, Texas. I have a day. February 18th is Ali Sadiq day in the city. Um, from St. Jude's to the Shrine Hospital to the Houston Food Bank. I've been donating to the Houston Food Bank for 17, 18 years. St. Jude's, Shrine Hospital. Um, done, got multiple congressional letters of recognition for philanthropy and in, 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 in community service. Most of this. So I've been on from NBC, ABC, I've been on every network. HBO show tell me all this stuff. I have multiple children that's been provided and taken care of by their father. And I'm still to this day cannot go get an apartment in my name because I have a felony conviction on my record. Yeah. And and I think that you make a good point there that there's gotta be an end to it. We we paid, we paid back, we did our time, and what is the point? What is the point of making that such a permanent thing that it affects everything that you do? And this goes back to surviving. You and I have to figure out, okay, if we want to get this thing, how do we work around it? Because they're not going to give it to an ex-felon. How do I work? How do I, I have to work around something. I can't be 
in the in the in a country that's supposed to be of second chances. I can't get a second chance. Well, you do have a second chance. You out. You're 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 giving me a second chance with one arm though. Yeah. And cutting half my foot off. Yeah. You can I can I can be as educated. You can be as educated. You can be as profound. You can do everything in this world. But then when it comes to, hey, you do not want to expunge my record for something that I did at 19. I wasn't even 21. Right. And 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 the other thing, the, the other thing that uh dang it, I I think that it comes down to money. I would love to prove that it comes down to money, meaning that if we get enough politicians in our pocket, they would figure out some way of of expunging that record because it's a nonviolent crime and everything in politics comes down to money. So I, it, it's one of those things I've thought about and thought about what would it take to get rid of that? And I, and it's going to be a few million dollars, which again, seems ridiculous because again, you and I went in at 19 men at 19, we're still kids. We know nothing. We, exactly. and, and we, and, and because of, whatever we don't take things seriously we don't understand the ramifications uh and, and so yeah yeah i think you know, i think you know that's crazy hmm. you can run for senate yeah with a with a <laughs> you can, run for, you can run for president you can run for president but you better not have to be a sponge <laughs> <laughs> what a sponge it's crazy what are we talking about the president mr president are you serious about being a sponge? What? <laughs> Mr. President. <laughs> it is. It is crazy. I also find it, uh, I, I also find it very, uh, I don't know, I think it's overkill. I find it very offensive that once you have this conviction, you automatically lose your right to vote. What does that have to do with anything else? I guess they're afraid that we might vote for for a for a for a senator or a president that is a felon, so they don't want us to support. Mr. President, <laughs> yeah, you have you have gotten the overwhelming <laughs> felony vote again, Mr. President. Congratulations, sir. <laughs> oh my goodness, that oh, is man. crazy. That is crazy. All right, so. When did you start, when did you decide, okay, I'm going to make comedy my livelihood? What, how old were you, or I don't know, did you, ever, did you make that conscious decision that, okay, I, I like this, I'm get this, this is what I'm going to do from now on? 25. Okay. As soon as I got out in car, when I made the decision while I was inside, but, you know, now I still got to try to navigate and figure out how to do stand-up. Well, I didn't know how to do stand up. I had no idea how to do it. So I had to go to a place and learn. And I knew that coming out, what I was doing inside wasn't stand up. I'm just talking. Right. I I I, I gotta go get the, I gotta go get the skill set down now. 25. Yeah. And, and I think uh just listening to you understand that okay, this what I'm doing here is funny. But it's not stand up because stand up, as you said, it's a different skill set. Mm -hmm. uh, I've done, I've done, I've done a, a, a what do you call it, open mic night 
-hmm. when you get up in front of a mic, it changes everything, especially on open mic night, because it's not the, it's not, in my opinion, it's, it's an audience that is, uh, uh, they want, they want to be, they, they want to have a good time, but at the same time, they're not going to catch you any slack. It's, it's, if, if you're funny, they'll laugh. If you're not funny, they will tell you as well. That's a good open mic. Yeah. I mean, it is cutthroat. It is, it is vicious. It is. And if you can't make, and if you can't make that, then you're not going to make it as a stand-up comic. It, it is, uh, uh, it, it is, including myself. I have, I, I wouldn't consider myself a comic. I think I can say some funny things, but I've only done open mics once. Anyway. <laughs> it's a test. It's a test. It's a test. And you got to keep going back. You got to keep going back. Let's talk about this. Okay. Here you are. You're starting your career. There's a lot of gatekeepers in Hollywood. And when I say a lot, there's just layers of layers. And what I find interesting about Hollywood is that a lot of people don't want to tell you no to your face. There's a lot of yes, but they're all fake. What's your take on on? on the whole Hollywood thing. I don't, I don't have a take on it because I never believed in it. I'm not in Hollywood. I'm in Houston. Right. And I've only come to Hollywood to record things. And then I went back to Houston. So I never played the Hollywood games. I, Cause I don't, I don't know what a gatekeeper is in, in comedy. It's probably a gatekeeper in Hollywood in, in movies or whatever they doing. But how do you gatekeep? Stand up. You can do stand up anywhere. You can only be gate kept if you're trying to get into somebody's gate. You're trying to be, you're trying to get to somebody else's, and then you don't want them to have a criteria of who they want. Right. Is I think that people people think that it's it's this and it's that. So if I if I do a movie, if you if it's a role in the movie, these are these are the roles that's offered. These are these are the roles. If my mother doesn't give a shit about them roles, because she's not trying to be in the goddamn movie. She's just trying to go see Avatar. Right. She's not trying to be in it. So because you don't get something, you get you somebody's. I'm not in this shit with people holding people back. Man, I'm it's I can find another avenue. I don't need to be validated. Gate gatekeepers are there because it's people that need validations from them. That's how I see it. So when you when I'm coming up, who's the gate the gatekeeper that stopped them people from shooting Hollywood Shuffle? Who's the gatekeeper that shot all these black these black exploitation movies? Who was the gatekeeper for? Oscar Marcel, who is he? Who's the gatekeeper for him? He just started doing films, right? Who are the gatekeepers of your thoughts? Who's the gatekeeper of trying to go get an audience that may, when you're trying to gather somebody, get into somebody else's thing, you gonna have a criteria. If you try to buy a French, a, a, a Chick Fil A franchise. 
and they just say no without you. You got to go through this and this and this. And are they keeping the gate? Are they telling you if you want a franchise because we're not fucking up our brand for your ass? You got to go to this, this and this. If you asking me to do something outside of the job. Or you saying, are you not giving me the opportunity to be in the job? Am I? If I'm a director, I don't have the right to say who I want to work with. If I'm a production company, I don't got. I don't have the right to say who I want to produce. What I want to produce. If I got the money, I don't have the right to say who I want to spend it on. You trying to get on my team? I'm not trying to get on yours. Right. You. Matter of fact, you knocked on my goddamn gate. I didn't bring you to Hollywood. Didn't even know you was coming. Right. Didn't even know who you are. Don't know who you are. Didn't call for you. None of that. So to be a comic, in order to get on the open mic, you have to come up and sign your name on the list. Because it's an open mic. In order to get on Ali's show, you have to be good. If you call me and say, if you if you DM me through Instagram and say, hey, I want to be on your show in X, Y, and Z, and I say, no, I didn't keep no gate. I told you no. Because my show is already set and I'm doing and I'm already doing something. I don't want it to be interrupted by something that you I don't want to throw myself off by trying to give you a favor and then throw myself off. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna cut my hand off. For you. I'm going to do my job. And when I can't extend a hand to you, I will. But. Nobody has helped me. Outside of my close friends and family that the the in, in my management, and all this, the industry, I was doing stand up 17, 18 years. If I ever even got a manager or agent. Wow. 17 or 18 years. I'd already been on TV multiple times. So for, and I live in Houston. You in Hollywood or you in New York talking about the gators being dumped on your clothes on you. I'm in Houston doing my own thing, not even giving a damn about the gate, the fence, the, um, the wall, the, um, the river, nothing, the mountain. I'm nothing stopping me from my goal of doing stand up. I don't need to do it on your platform to be accepted. I just need to do it. I just need the people to do it. So where's the gate in front of me? I know those who's supposed to have a gate then called me to set up a meeting and I said no. So am I the gatekeeper now? Because yes. I don't want to meet I, because I'm the gatekeeper because I don't want to meet with any industry people. I'm just going to stay independent. No. I'm not a gatekeeper. I'm a man who closed my goddamn fence. Yes. I didn't want, I don't want to be a part. I've never wanted to be a part. You've already, you've already, you've already told me that I wasn't what you needed or what you wanted. Cool. I'm doing my own thing. Domino Effect is his own thing. But before Domino Effect, Ali had seven albums on XM Radio before People were doing the, they were still doing DVDs when I was putting out albums. I'm not, it's too many lanes in stand up. If you, okay, I, I'm, I don't want you on my, I don't want you to do 
a special? Is a special the criteria to be in a comic? Oh, I don't want you to perform at this particular club. Is that the only club? Because in stand-up, we're supposed to be a craft of the rugged and the free and the rebellious. They have been got they have gotten soft because they have started to try to be other things. Don't bring your comp comedic acting shit over to stand up and say it's a gatekeeper. No, because they didn't give you a role over there, you asshole. They didn't give you a role. It wasn't stand up. They didn't give you a role. Okay, cool. So then you bring whatever other shit into stand up. But you can do stand up on a boat. You can do stand up in your house. You can do stand up at a bar mitzvah. You can do stand up at, you can have corporate gigs. You got um, A rooms, B rooms, C rooms. You got theaters, you got arenas. You got nine fucking 10 avenues. You can put out your specials. You can put on Comedy Central. But you're trying to get HBO. You're trying to get Netflix. And then you say they shutting the gate on you. Because you are not being what the comedy clubs are. Let's see what the comedy clubs did. Okay. Stand-up's been around quite a bit. Before it was just, uh, you had to be at the at the comedy store. Or you had to be at um, the cellar. Or you had to be at this particular place. But then when it comes to the comedy clubs being bolder than the damn comedians, the imp, because at first when I started, it was a spot called Spellbinders. It was just yes. Spellbinders. It was no fucking improv. So where I lived at, so the improv decided, well, we got an improv here. Let's do some more. Let's do some more improv. Let's do some more improv stuff. And what we're going to do is this. We're going to make 24 improvs. Then the people say, well, then, then the funny bones came and said, the improvs. We're going to make 14 funny bones. Then the funny then 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 um Rick Bronson's house of comedy said, fuck the improv, fuck the funny bone. I'm gonna make four, I'm gonna make five Rick Bronson's house. And then the last, then the comedy, the comedy houses said, fuck everybody. We're gonna make some comedy houses. Then the, then they came with the Levity Live said, fuck them too. We're gonna make our own comedy club. Then uh Helium came and said, fuck out, fuck. The improv, fuck this, fuck that. We make our own cup. So the only people that's renegades that's saying fuck the gate and wherever you go is the goddamn comedy club. It's it's nine different ways that you can do stand up, but you're still trying to get into the improv because you say the improv is the is the biggest game in town. Not if there's a funny bone there. What about the loony bin? What about all these other places you can do stand up? But then you want to complain about a gate. Well, they not headlining me at this club. If I can sit in Baton Rouge at Hank's House of Hilarity, not saying that this exists, and I can get all of Baton Rouge to come see me every weekend, and I'm making $10,000, 10, $10,000 a weekend, and I do this 100 times. Are you trying to be popular? Are you trying to be paid? Are you trying to be a stand-up? Are you what are you trying to do? Because I said in Houston, I was making more, I make more than mass majority of the comics that live in LA. In from Houston. Right. Live, I'm talking about living in Houston, performing in Houston. So if you go to an open mic in LA and you get paid $18, I go to an open mic and I get paid $50. Who's winning? I'm working on my craft. You're working on your craft. Cool. 
if I get a hundred dollars and you get eighteen dollars, and you live in L.A., I, I go do three or four rooms, and I go do one and I make a hundred dollars, and then you get you get five to how many minutes you get? Okay, cool. I'm gonna go get I'm gonna go do thirty, and I'm gonna go do thirty every night. I'm gonna do thirty minutes every night somewhere in Houston. And I'm gonna probably be better than you. Because <laughs> you're doing five, you're doing five and six. You can't even develop an act like that. Right. I said in a year's time, and we do it before I'm gonna look so much pop more polished than you. And then you're going to you're going to these rooms. I'm gonna go to a mainstream comedy room and just work. That 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 doesn't have improv on the back of it, doesn't have no other. It is the it's called the secret group in Houston. It's called the secret group. All comic. A lot of eclectic people there. You go in there and you work. Or you get one of these bars and you go in there and you work. It's people get you can in, in stand-up, you can go on the road and do an all bar show, all bar tour. You're like, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna start in Houston, I'm gonna go from Houston. And I'm gonna hit every city going up to New York, and I'm gonna do a bar tour. You know and I'm saying with other comics that I know, hey man, what bar you got? You know, and I'm gonna get fifty dollars, hundred dollars, and I'm gonna, and I'm gonna do that the whole way up. End up doing fifty shows. Do a hundred, you do fifty shows, hundred hundred fifty dollars a pop. Are you trying to do stand up, or you're trying to be popular? Right. Well, and I think I think to your point, there's a lot of people that that they they see what you do or they see what somebody else does. And because you've been doing it for years, because you've studied your craft and you put in the time, you make it look easy. And people want that fast success, but they don't understand that overnight success takes about 10 or 15 years. Overnight success takes <laughs> That's the great point. I see they trying to get in this production studio on me now. I held up for an hour. Um, that is, that, I, I can't make a better point. Overnight success takes 10 or 15 years. It does. It does. I mean. It's, it, it's no one thing. It's a it's a lot of things that is a, it's, it's so many things that come together to get you to a point where people start wanting to see you. And I know some people get this little fast track thing and some people don't and right. mass majority of people don't. Well, I, I do want to mention this because I know we're tight on time, but you're one of the very few successful comics that you finance your own show. Domino effect is produced by you independently. Uh, yes. it, they can go to your YouTube channel. It's hysterical. There's a bunch of your other stand up there as well. And it, this is something that a lot of people aren't willing to do. And and, and they should be because I'm on, this is, you know, just give you the exclusive domino effect in this domino effect two. We just finished color correcting everything for domino effect three. And we are in the editing process of domino effect four. So the series is, is, is coming to a close. We, it is all financed by me, all produced by, by me and the team. And, you know, we we moving on to the next series, but we we end up doing nine nine projects by twenty twenty six, and we did all all self produced, all self funded. 
Yeah. And I think that a lot of people don't understand the power that is available today that wasn't available 15, 20 years ago, because you can start a YouTube channel and you, you, comics have done this. Musicians have, this, have done this. Magicians have done this. Well, you can start just getting stuff out there on Instagram, YouTube, uh, TikTok, and build that audience. Content and, and is king. Top content is king. And uh, anyway, I know you have to go, but I want to say thank you for stopping by. And uh, I, I look forward to catching one of your shows. Hey, man, what city are you in? I am now in Phoenix. Phoenix. I just left Phoenix. No, we did. We did. Um, not what's the other spot in Phoenix in Arizona? Scottsdale. Not Scottsdale. Not uh, Tempe. We we other yeah. way because we did Phoenix. What's the other major city? Uh, Flagstaff is a big town, college town. What else? What, do you did, have we up just, there? what did I just come from Phoenix? We just did. We just did something in Arizona. Um, but I know I'm coming to Phoenix, but it's, what's the other part of Arizona we were just seeing? You have, uh, I think Flagstaff is like the next biggest one because you've done Tempe, Scottsdale, Phoenix, uh, Gilbert, Mesa, uh, Apache Junction. That's kind of, I don't know. I, if, uh, man, I'm, I think, I'm at a loss. I'm at a loss. It was on my schedule. We did something in Phoenix. I'm at a loss because Phoenix was a good, a very good show. Phoenix was, loves comedy. Uh, I, I think was, that it was a theater. We were at a theater because we we left El Paso and went to. There ain't no telling, but right. I'll be I'll be back to Phoenix. All right, and we sure. and we and we'll link in. And we definitely. I love Phoenix. I, 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 that's a good place for me. <laughs> I tell you what, I, I one of the things I miss about Houston is Houston's got great diversity as, as far as food. Phoenix is catching up; it's not quite there yet. It's but not. Man, if you're look, if you're a foodie, Houston is one of the best places to go. Better believe it. We 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 not the fattest city for no reason. Uh, <laughs> my man, I thank you, brother, very much. All right.